and we're live. So as part of this retail growth series that I'm doing for the month of March, I have these two amazing guys on here with me. Um, I have Ted Rubin here, amazing guy. Um, he's based in California. Ted Rubin is known as a provocateur in his own words. He is um, on the panel of Photify and he's also a social marketing strategist, an international keynote speaker. He's a business advisor, an author and a connector. And if you've ever heard the term, and I've said this in a couple of my posts, return on relationships, this is the guy that created that big movement to return on relationships. Um, really, really interesting concept. I think anyone that's in that customer Customer experience space or anyone that has any sort of an interaction with people I think it's a really amazing concept to have and um, we have also here John Andrews and we we're just talking to John there and um, he's just released an amazing new book called Retail Relevancy if you haven't gotten it yet guys I know it was out of stock on Amazon when I went to buy it two weeks ago hopefully it's back in stock as of I think it was this week so get it in Europe um, in our Amazon and um, it's back online again so get this book if you're really wanting to see the futuristic side of retail and where you need to go in 2022 and beyond. Um, John Andrews has a, he's a marketing strategist, an international keynote speaker. He's a business advisor and a connector, and he's really, really um, in the knowledge with around strategizing for retailers. And he's been part of Walmart and many other big retail giants there where he has been involved in, in really expanding their marketing strategy from a consumer perspective. So I'm really excited to have you on here, guys. Um, um, and I'm really interested, even before we went live, me and me and John were just chatting away there about different things. And it's just really interesting to hear their perspective on um, where retail is going. And I suppose, guys, this series, I'm very much involved in the SME sector in Ireland. And I really wanted to get your take on where we need to go from a customer, I suppose, a customer service, customer experience piece, um, and, and where what are retailers or smaller retailers, not just the larger ones, can take, I suppose, action-wise to move us forward into this new shopping world, because we are seeing a decrease in footfall in Ireland and the UK at the moment. John, why don't you jump in on that? Oh, uh, wow. I'm used to Ted going first, so I never know what to do. <laughs> Uh, no, that's great. And wow, thank you for such such a wonderful, warm introduction, Louise. It, it's um, always so refreshing to talk to people who are excited about retail, right? Because yeah. uh, I try to have these conversations all the time with my wife or my friends, and they're like, yeah, what are you talking about? I, like, that's great. You know, <laughs> and, uh, my wife is like, I go to Target, I get my stuff, I come home, it's, it's, I'm good. But, uh, you know, no, I, I think it's... Um, it's such a great time to be in retail because um, the the world changed overnight. I, like it was changing, right? It was moving in this direction and then COVID. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I use the stat a lot in, in March of 2020, 9% of Walmart's customers had used online pickup, uh, you, know, you know, online ordering pickup in store, MOPUS, they call it, yeah. uh, buy online pickup in store. Um, everyone has their own, you know, an acronym for it. And, and in March of 2020, that went from 9% to 30% like that. Right. Yeah. And, and so you think we would have gotten to 30% maybe by now, maybe not, you know, cause people are like, you know, I'm going to the store. It works pretty well for me. But once you, once you try that and you see how easy it is, you, you, you think of all the time you could save, you know, shopping, not that, not that I don't want to go to the store sometimes, but it's super easy. You know, I, I, I watched my wife trans, transform from going to Target a couple, three times a week to, um, uh, you know, going to Target's parking lot and somebody brings her stuff out and puts it in the trunk of her car. Easy, right? Uh, I mean, think about how much time and energy that saves. So, so to your question specifically, small and medium retailers and brands, I think have this wonderful opportunity now to really ramp up that personal service. Ted and I were talking about that this week. We have a large home, home goods retailer here named Lowe's. And, yeah. and Ted's had some good and some not so good experiences there. And, and he just had an amazing experience, probably because more and more people are using buy online and pick up in store. And the people in the store have more time for personal attention. Yeah. So, so I think moving, thinking about when you do have the opportunity to interact with a customer in person and even online, 
it, you know, the, your, your customer service is really going to be now what, what defines your brand, because that's going to be the experience we can have. I can get um, this pen uh, just about anywhere, right? Why am I going to choose your retailer? Well, it, it very well may be because I, I have a warm feeling for you and, and I, I want to support you because of the other relationships that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting um, because what we were seeing, I've seen a bit of a shift anyways in the bigger, larger companies. Um, and I've seen a lot of them close down, a lot of the bigger ones. And we've seen this emergence over the last three to four years, specifically in the UK and Ireland, whereby there's a lot of the smaller uh, local retailers and they're coming up and they're coming up because they're offering something a little bit more different. They're offering that personalization. They're offering that kind of, I know what you bought last week, John, um, and right. actually I've got a new product produce in this week I know you really like that or they're making those they're really personalizing their service a little bit um I suppose from a from an online perspective um can we take it to that level do you think or or where do you think it's going to go you know I, I think a lot of tools have become available now to make that experience possible online. You know, John and I talk a lot about simplicity and how ease of use, whether it's customer service, returning a product, finding a product, dropping it in your cart easily without having to worry about finding it, um, returning that product, people knowing who you are, uh, being able to change the delivery time, those kind of things. You know, for a long time, everyone thought uh, Amazon was making that impossible for others to keep up with. Although now Amazon offers a platform of their own and they've also shown small retailers how to deliver the same kind of service they do um, and make it easy for people. So, I, I, and as John mentioned earlier, you know, the pandemic accelerated a lot of this stuff because it was available, but either people were afraid to use it or thought people wouldn't be happy doing that or didn't want to drive people there because they thought they liked coming in the store. All of a sudden, people couldn't. They experienced it. Like, I always thought I wanted to go to Whole Foods. I like walking up and down the aisles. I like picking new products. I don't go there anymore. I started buying online because of necessity. And now I see that I actually have as good a, a, an experience with um, discovery as I did when I walked down the aisles because the, the app is showing me products. Like everything I pick, they go, oh, well, there's these other things like it. And would you like this alternative? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's now I have all this extra time. Some of it I actually use to possibly shop more. Some people might use that extra time to try out a new retailer or go somewhere new. So I just think that um, that personalized service is definitely possible now. And it's possible to a whole new wave of small e-commerce providers because of the cloud and some of the services offered by big companies where they don't have to build it themselves. And now they can use it. So I like, I, I've talked a lot about how I believe retail has kind of come full circle. When we were kids or when our parents were kids, everything was about the local provider, the local merchant, the butcher, the, the bakery, the place where you, or, or even the, the, um, the, the Woolworths or the local store where this, we used to have a stationary store, they called it in our town, where you could get, it was really the chemist and it was the pharmacy and it was, you could get school supplies. And when you walked in, the owner knew you. Oh, hi, you know, how are you, Louise? You know, hey, you remember your kids love that candy. I've got a new one in just like it. And they knew that they wouldn't, you knew you were comfortable because you knew that they were going to see you tomorrow. And they weren't going to recommend something that, that's horrible. I just think, and I think small retailers, I think people are expecting that now. And a lot of retailers are able to provide it because of the tools that are available. And like, I know you and John were talking about smart commerce earlier. Yeah. And this is like the next stage in that where while you're absorbing content and you're learning about a product, because most of us don't just see an ad and buy off an ad. What do we do? We go to Google or we go to Amazon and we search it and we get information and we get content. And then we read the reviews or we read articles people have written. So we go, oh, wow, I think, I mean, I think that'll work for us. For something as simple as um, I just bought some new masks, but I, I read about it, what people liked, what they didn't like. And the ability to then go from that content and just click on a button that, that then offers you retailers that you might be comfortable with. I think we're getting to that stage where, yes, that mm -hmm. long answer for short question, that will be <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. It answers it. Um, because I think for, I think 
before COVID, where where retail was going, and you could see it in a lot of the, you know, the associations that were were, were there supporting the retailers was, you know, this whole retailtainment thing and this whole um, experiential retail and, you know, having, there was a lot of retailers like the big ones in European, like Primark and Pennies, where they were having nail salons in the retail outlet, you know, where you had, mm-hmm. you done your shopping and the women were getting their nails done or their blow dry done in their hair. Meanwhile, the men were off looking in the, you know, the tech section or whatever that might be. Um, so you seen they were, they were trying to have that dwell time longer in the store. So I suppose they were looking at different strategies from that perspective. So that question was around how do we put those those kinds of strategies and mm. dwell time, the personalization piece in, in a tech thing where people really aren't maybe seeing that um, uh, translate over. So no, that does answer, that does answer my question. I suppose, um, and this might be one for, for you guys as well, where we talk a lot about brands and what we were seeing the huge shift in, in the last say two years was, um, it's not about actually the product anymore. If you're selling, for example, a cosmetics brand and that cosmetics brand is selling candles and selling maybe bath oils and body creams, they're moving into the well-being space as we like to call it. So we're having me time, we're having the spa at home. They're in those stores now, they're doing yoga classes as part of their package, they're doing memberships. We're, so we're seeing retailers evolve, not just as a product-based business, we're seeing them evolve in all to offer yoga classes to bring customers into their stores mm-hmm. outside a trade to run events to really bring a community around their brand so you're doing how-to videos and I'm a big believer in those sorts of things because we're creating a following almost instead of just a customer coming in and, and getting the product and walking out the door we want them talking about us when they leave we want them you know creating that community feel around it um I, what's what's your opinions on that or what do you see over there in the states I suppose is retailers doing that is that something that's happening or something that's not happening or is it a trend that's being picked up I'm going to make one statement and then I'm going to pass this off to John because I think yeah. that he can really get into this a little bit more detail about retailers but one of the things I talk about and John and I talk about mm-hmm. a lot is that how important community is I say that yeah. a, a network gives you reach but a community gives you power Networks connect, communities care. And I believe the point you're referring to is it brings people into a community where they care about that thing. And I know John's had experiences. I know John is a, um, what's the bike? Oh my God, my head. Peloton. Peloton Peloton has created a community and we know they're going through some struggles now, but I think the community they created um, is going to help them get get through that but john why don't you jump in with something about this because i think that yeah you, you i've got a funny a funny example because we were having this conversation the other day so uh, communities also exist uh, across your life stages too right so so uh, uh you have communities and things that are going on in your life because we, we were talking about um you know incontinence products right and and uh and, and, and the share <laughs> i'm not sure where this is going but, but, but the the shared experience yeah because because you think about it, you, you yeah. know, if you're if you're at the point of your life or, or there's something where yeah. you need incontinence products, yeah. you, you have a shared experience with other people who have. Yeah. And guess what? It's it's just life. Like sometimes you need incontinence products. I mean, that's it's what it is. And and I was laughing because um, most most women who have have had children yeah. are in this shared community of those experiences of having children. And we were laughing about the incontinence products because we 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 go to this gym and next door there's a, a couple of doors down there's another little gym that's one of those trampoline things you know that that people do you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah story? you know <laughs> and all of the women no bar not are like nope can't do that <laughs> because I'm because and I'm gonna like see it's it's a sh- so I think people think about communities as these as these groups. But, but a lot of times communities are shared life experiences where I relate to, you know, I have a 16 year old daughter. So you got a whole bunch of things you're dealing with if, if you have a, a, a you know, a, a teenager, you know, and, and things. And it's a shared community with everyone else who has a teenager because they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, they sleep all day and they uh, and they're rude and they uh, they're on TikTok all day long because it's how, how they how they communicate but that's also their community, right? And, and I think as marketers and brands are thinking about, you know, being parts of those communities 
um, it, it's not necessarily an ad, right? It's not necessarily a, uh, a, a, a you know, a, a, an email or direct, we're, we're still in this funnel mode, right? Yeah. And, and to Ted's point, there's a great article a, a partner of ours shared today talking about how powerful TikTok is as a conversion marketing tool, right? And you think about that because when you're on TikTok, I don't know if you're a big TikTok user, uh, uh, when you're on TikTok, you're typically focused on TikTok, right? Yeah. And, and there are brands in there and there are things that are going there, but it's not a moment to really interrupt me and, and say, oh yeah, yeah, buy something. No, 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 it's not that. But we are all passively shopping when, when we are doing most things, including consumer media. So if you and I are talking about something, you're like, oh, the Peloton bike. Oh, do you like your Peloton? I, you know, I know Peloton, people who have Peloton. Yeah, I like my Peloton bike. Well, that's marketing, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. word, person to person, word of mouth marketing. TikTok is people sharing items and experiences and things like that. But I'm not buying right that moment. But I might, if it doesn't interrupt me, drop something in my, my shopping cart, right? Mm-hmm. to remember later, or, or, or as, as we were talking about earlier, when my paycheck comes, so that I can actually, I can actually go and convert my cart. But, but those are, those are the new marketing tools and, and new communities that, that exist. You know, we're, we're kind of all focused on this, this, um, this, this, uh, 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 this tragic war that's going on right now between you know, Russia and Ukraine. And, and, and so my, my Ted, you know, why, well, you know, we are experiencing this through our news feeds mostly, right? My daughter was down talking to us the other night about the war and asking questions as, as, as you might and, and, and very, very thoughtful things. And she's actually interacting and chatting with people her age in Ukraine and in Russia. And think about that as a community, right? Because they they have this shared media source that they're own. It's a very different world than many of us have experienced. I mean, you, you, you know, they're they're actually talking about the things that are going on the ground, not through the filter of a newscaster or someone else, but with people they're experiencing it. And and I thought about that for a minute. I'm like. Yeah, that'd be a great time to drop an ad in there, right? You know, it's, it's not, it's not. So it's understanding, you know, what what people are doing and, and how they're doing it and and how I can um, be part of that community without necessarily marketing to it. Ted, Ted has a Ted and I have a great line that we use all the time. Just because you can market to someone does not mean that you should market to someone, right? Be there when you need to be there. And actually participate, not just throw ads at things. Mm, yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. And really, it's, I suppose, what happened with a lot of a lot of business owners that I was speaking to when everything was shut down, they seen this big spike in their sales or online sales. And since everything is opened up again over here and um, speaking to a lot of them is their sales went down because obviously everyone opened, everyone was drawn, everyone was out and about going to pubs, restaurants. They didn't sure. see that increase in their online sales. So what they decided to do was they decided to push those ads out, push the marketing, push right. the sell, sell, sell. And they're not seeing those sales go up um, right. because they are, that from a consumer perspective, it is a hard sell. And um, they're obviously, you know, freaking out, going, oh, I need to get my products sold. I have some right. left over from Christmas. I don't want to lose my margin on it. I want to get that pushed through. Um, and, and they were scrambling around the place. They did see a huge decline at Christmas time from an online perspective. Um, mm-hmm. So I suppose for those, for those sorts of people that are in that situation, what kind of strategies or what tools would you say for them right if I were you this is what I would maybe look to do to to go about building that up what you talked about there you know building that kind of not that hard sell piece but building up that you know when to sell and not to sell how do they how can you get them to do that maybe or what would you say to them Ted are you you taking that you want me to you know I'll just jump in with a quick comment that number one is it's a really hard position to be in you know, because because you have the immediate need to get your sales back up. Um, you have the inventory holding hanging over your head. Um, if you're a bigger company, you have people you report to that 
may, may not care about the difficulty you're having and just want to see results. Um, I think the biggest thing is to take a breath and realize that you're not just going to unload everything by throwing out a huge amount of ads and pounding people. And you have to consider the brand equity destruction you're going to do when you, when you start doing that. You might end up accomplishing your goal in the short term, but you're going to hurt yourself for the long term. So I, I again, understanding it's a difficult time. It's easy for me not having to move that inventory to say, take your time, continue to build a relationship, be more aggressive with your content. Start thinking, what do my customers need more? Put yourself in their shoes, which is what John and I talk about a lot, is that so many retailers, John loves to say, when was the last time you signed up for your own email uh, under a different name, using a different browser? Right. So you can see what your customers are actually experiencing. You know, I just wrote a post about this from a from a political standpoint. Um, I get, you know, we all get, I get the emails from, the, you know, the different parties trying to raise money. And they're still using old school email tactics with big red headlines and, 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 and subject lines that aren't related to what they're really writing to me about. And they, yes, they are getting my attention, but then they're losing me because I get in and it's not what I want to read or not what I want to see, or, or all they're doing is banging me over the head for money. So I think that these people that are under this thing, they have to take a little bit of a longer view and they've got to start thinking, I've got to engage more. I've got to spend more time here. I've got to start producing content that's valuable that will lead people to my product. And then I understand feed in some of the other things that are more immediate, some of the more direct marketing, because again, you do need to accomplish your goal. You do need to keep your doors open and move your inventory. But at the same time, if you do something in the short term that's going to destroy your brand for the long term, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. John? I think you also I think you also have to consider um, the 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 marketplace dynamics, right? So so you know, a lot of people did very well during the pandemic selling goods because people weren't traveling and they weren't going out to eat and whatever. And all of a sudden I've got a bunch of money, right? So yeah. I'm like, all yeah. right, I'm going to buy stuff. Yeah, but that's what happened, yeah. That demand for travel and going out and all of those things are didn't go away. And now, now it's exacerbated. So, and then- And it's sucking dollars away from where it was before, right? Sucking dollars. And then- all of a sudden the marketplace is like, oh, I, I gotta, I gotta flood the market with ads to keep my sales up. And you know, and and, and I hear marketers talking all the time, well, you know, we have this really smart technology though, where we can target people, we know their mindset and their intent and whatever. And I'm like, well, then why don't you know that they're probably not looking to spend on goods right now? And they're thinking about that trip, that wonderful trip they want to take to Galway, right? You know, instead, instead of uh, it, it, because that's, that's what's happening. I don't know if you've, if you've looked at uh, if the same thing's going on, but I suspect it is uh, in, in Ireland. But uh, airline, uh, air ticket prices uh, uh, like quadrupled overnight. Yeah. Because, because people said, I'm, go I'm going. You know, I'm 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 going, and and I'm gonna. I don't care what it costs. It, it's they call it rage spending. I don't I don't care what it costs. I'm going on that trip. You know, and and I've I've been cooped up in my home, and uh, if I have to look at my my uh, spouse or my my um, my my my, my, uh, my children or my dog anymore, I'm gonna go crazy, and I, I'm going. You know, and and so I think there's a mindset there that no amount of AI powered retargeting is gonna overcome. I just don't need another thing right now, you know, and, and, and that's okay. And to Ted's point, how do I start seeding that? Well, and I should have been doing more of that during the, during the past two years, but uh, you know, how do I start seeding that um, understanding relationship building with customers? And I, I do think more and more shopping, I think the net result of COVID was more and more, um, everyday shopping is becoming automated, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I have things like toothpaste and deodorant and 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 coffee. Yeah. My, my 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 wife just told me she says, "Oh, our coffee order will be here tomorrow." It's on replenishment, right? I don't think I don't literally. You're not going to make me buy any more by advertising to me because I, I'm just I'm already getting coffee. Now, as I get that coffee, we all, we get, we like, we use Nespresso, 
right? So as, as we get we get an espresso order and we you know the, the pods and yeah. whatever, and um, they send me samples of new products every time, you know. Uh, but and I keep thinking, well, okay, great, you sent me the sample of the new product, but now I got to go in and and I change my change my online order. Like automate that, make that easy. Hey, would you like a, a you know, a, a sleeve of this, this new one next time if you liked it, or maybe I hated it. So I don't, you know, I don't want that. It, it, get some feedback. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I would be thinking about spending some of my marketing dollars there on taking yeah. friction out of the purchasing process. You know, how, how do how I just make it? Right. And how do you, and that's another way. How do you stand out? Whether right. it's making that easier, whether it's creating more content, because you're one of a hundred that sales yeah. are down and that's going to pound everybody over the heads with ads to sell a little bit more. So now you're not only competing with, with, with your, with your other products that are like yours, you're competing with just the dollars in general. So what do we got there? John? Can you see my email unopened email number there? Wow. <laughs> wow. That would give me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with I you, I have to get rid of that stuff. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep with that. I'd be it like, gives me, it gives me zero anxiety. This is what I try to tell marketers. That's what your email is competing against. Like, oh, when I tell people, like people who know me personally, well, you know, yeah. Ted knows. He's like, he's like, oh, I sent you an email. And Ted, when he sends me an email, which he doesn't do very often because he knows I'm not going to read it. He immediately texts me to tell me he sent me an email, right? <laughs> he says, hey, I, I sent you an email. You need to look at it. And sometimes he'll even text me and call me, right? Because, because I like, oh, I, hey, did you not see my email? I'm like, no. Like, I didn't. Part, part, like, of, part of my job in this partnership is helping people communicate with John. <laughs> so, like, we'll start working with somebody and I'll go, John, guys. They'll go, no, I emailed John. I'm like, guys, John doesn't read his email. I said, and what did you email him? I said, did you email him this? Because he's not going to get past the subject line. So, it, and if you give him 10 bullet points, you know, I, I mean, I, now it took me a long time to learn this. John and I have been working together since 2009 and we'd be in the city together and he'd be like, oh yeah, I told someone we'd meet him for lunch. I'm like, dude, we got an appointment downtown. And, and he'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I told you that. I put it on your calendar. So it's a matter also a big thing for, for companies, which is important, especially I'm moving a little bit off our target, the B2B space. You have to understand how the people you're dealing with communicate. You know, I, I, I that's, that's the point. I mean, we're laughing about it, but that's that's yeah, that is I, absolutely the point. You you've got to understand. Like if you say, no, no, we do so much email marketing. Well, what about your customers that don't look at email? Or, or yes, they gave you their email address when they signed up because they had to in order to get their delivery, but they don't, they're not even seeing all those ads you're mm -hmm. sending to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned this lesson with my daughters. I'm a divorced dad. And I think all parents have this experience, but especially as a divorced dad, I didn't, my kids didn't come home every night. So I couldn't say, how come you didn't answer my text or whatever it was. And I didn't want to have that conversation in my only phone call with them that night. But you know, how many of us um, call our kids and we go to voicemail and then, and then we get a text two seconds later that says what? Because <laughs> they were there, they were available, but that's their way of saying, I'm not picking up the phone if you want me. I mean, there was a point where back in the early days of, of Snapchat where that's where I'd get my daughter's attention. Sure. Because she stopped picking up the phone, she stopped answering my text, but I knew that she was paying attention to Snapchat and she didn't want to see me on Snapchat. So <laughs> if I was there, I was getting a response. But it's a matter of, I learned that if I wanted to communicate with my daughters, I couldn't be the dad that said, pick up the damn phone because they wouldn't. I need mm -hmm. to communicate the way they want to communicate. And I think that we all, we're starting to learn that as, as individuals in business, brands have had real trouble learning that with their customers that determine what's the best way to communicate with them, segment them in those things instead of emailing everybody. And I, and, I, and I think they don't want to hear it too. Cause right. you, you, you still see, you know, you'll see, still see the defense of email. Oh, email still the, the most yeah. productive yeah. form of whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh -uh. that's not true. Uh, yes. Email will produce results, but email produces smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller Action, uh, overall results, percentage of results, people's response is, oh, send more email, right? right. And, and so it's a, it's, it's a, uh, 
there's a lack of listening. I like, for instance, me, if you want me and I'm see what I do is I always tell people the best way to communicate with me because I get, I get messages on Instagram. I get LinkedIn messages. And by the way, that's fine if you don't know how else to get me. But what I usually do right away is say, listen, you need to text me or you need to email me if you want me to follow up, especially if this is something, somebody I don't know. And you, yeah. I can't tell you how many people I make it incredibly clear for them. If you want me to follow up, I'll even say, this is great. I'm interested. Please email me. Here's my email address. And they keep messaging me on LinkedIn. And, and th this is a clear case of, I mean, it's not even observation. I'm laying it out for them. And I do the same when I communicate with somebody, I immediately say to them, if it's someone that's important to me, I say, what's the best way to communicate with you? Yeah. Because I want, I don't want to try to drag you to my community. I like email. It's a, it's, I like email for just for following up on things because it keeps it there for me in a very easy way to do it. But I understand that most people don't. And how do they? I want is LinkedIn best? Is, is Instagram best? Whatever you tell me. And even then I have a hard time getting them to come up front with me. Oh, don't worry. You can email me. And then I never hear back. So I just think brands have to start being more uh, observant and more clear and even come right out and ask, what's the best way to communicate with you? And some are doing that now. I I'm sure you've all gotten that. I've gotten a few things where a brand will ask me, like, do you want email? Do Apple's really good about that. You know, like, so I, I, where, you know, it's something immediate. So I say text because text is also the best way to get my attention quickly because it's an old habit from being a divorced dad where I would get texts from my daughters. So I would always check my text. In, no matter what meeting I was in, if my text ping, I would look at it real quickly. If it was an email, it, it might take me until the end of the day to get back. So I think brands have to start doing a better job of that. And back to your original point of smaller retailers and e-tailers, I think it's easier for them to do that because of their size and the fact that very often the owner, the proprietor is very involved in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, there's so many good takeaways there just listening to you. And I think asking how your customers want to be communicated to like, that's just really shown in. And I think the story that you gave about being a dad um, a divorcee dad, I just think it was, it's, it's really interesting because that story alone tells me you actually found how to communicate where her communication path was. So I think a lot of people, a lot of retailers, they get so caught up in the day-to-day -day running of their business. They got so caught up. It's a tick the box exercise, autoresponder. I'm going to send out this. I'm going to push marketing. Sometimes those that kind of understanding or that level of thought it doesn't really come into the practice until everything is kind of usually it's when it's gone crap it's usually when people start to, <laughs> to look at things it's and never it's when it's else. going it's usually when it's gone crap and it's like what's going on you know and then then it's that kind of process where I really have to figure out what's going on here and I think it's it is it's having that understanding of where your customers are um, and and who that is and, and what platforms they are and TikTok is definitely when I think that I've seen myself sitting on the couch and I literally am past his cooking on the stove. And I'm like, oh, I'll just look at it for a second. Next thing I smell something burning and I'm like, oh, oh yes, my God. Like, <laughs> Flipping 30 minutes. And I'm like, how the hell did this happen? The smoke alarm is going off and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, damn you, TikTok. You've done it again to me, you know, where I'm digging oh, yeah. myself yeah. on the couch. Yeah. So I, I, think I, can't, yeah. I can't tell you how happy I'm going to hear that because sometimes I think, oh shit, I'm getting old. I don't even remember I have something on the <laughs> stove, you know, but I'll put something on and I'll go to do a quick email and then something will pop up, right? And you start going. But another really important point about this, uh, paying attention to people and seeing what's the best way to communicate is customer service has become incredibly important. It, it is such a differentiator for, I mean, I think customer service intertwines with customer experience in a very yeah. dramatic way. And one of the things I talk about all the time is, the only time you truly have 100% of your customer's attention is when they're seeking customer service, because yep. then it's about them. And since you like my story about my daughter, I'll give you another one. I like to compare it to when your daughters ask you for money. So, you know, we're dads or moms, and we're always trying to tell the daughters, oh, go out, be safe. And you're giving them all this advice. And you know, it's going in one ear and out the other, and they're not even paying attention. But there's a time when they want money and that hand is out. They're listening to every single word that comes out of your mouth 
because they're waiting to hear either yes, no, or how much. And so to me, that's like the customer service thing. They're there. You've got 100% attention. That's when I would market to my daughters. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do something with that, but don't get into a car with someone who's been drinking. Call me at any hour of the day and I'll come get you. And they're sitting there and I'm like, did you hear me? They're like, yeah, I heard you. How much? And so that's the customer <laughs> service. Because the minute you put that money in their hand, they're gone. Well, and I, I think too, and that, that leads into that, um, you know, you've really got to think about passive shopping. Like people are, people are always shopping because I'm, I'm, I'm making decisions. I'm learning about new products. I'm discovering things and whatever. We used to call it a funnel, but there's no funnel anymore because, you know, marketers where the funnel was, Ooh, I saw the TV ad and then I got, I saw the circular and then I went into the store and I saw the display and whatever. And we're still trying to do that. But the problem is you don't know where necessarily where a shopper, and I know there's all this data that'll tell you exactly where a shopper is. And it, I'm, I'm tracking Louise on her phone. And I know she's sitting on a park bench near the, near, near the grocer. And so I'm going to tell her that the ground beef is on sale for a, you know, a dollar 99 or for, for uh, uh, you know, a dollar ninety nine or whatever, and, and I'm like, no, no, that's that one is creepy, and two, no, <laughs> like no, <laughs> you know, Louise is smart; she can figure out, you, you know, that that uh, where where what places have the best prices, and there's information for that. She can find that when she wants to, and and she can. She can, um, you know, she can check out a product that she saw in a, in a sponsored post on TikTok when she wants to, right? Make it easy for her to do that. But once you try to take her out of that TikTok behavior, you're not respecting what she's doing. And, and I, I think that's a real challenge now because, because as you say, the, the marketer is sitting there with a spreadsheet going, well, I've got to send a million emails today and I've got to... To, to, you know, I've got to make sure I've got my Facebook ads targeted for, for everybody and whatever and, and, and clicking, but, but they're, they're seeing, and I see this, so I know this is happening. They're seeing lower and lower and lower and lower returns from that activity. Right. It's just because it's not how we do it anymore. And I don't care how good the technology is, yeah. everyone is experiencing the same thing right now. hundred percent. I just, if you saw, saw me looking down, I just tweeted about passive shopping. Because it's the new, it's the new opportunity in retail. And, and I, I, like John's talked about it a few times on the last couple of calls we've been on. And I, I, and, and, and I love this. I love this. I love this. If there's any takeaway from this passive shopping. You know, a, a lot of it has come to our attention because, you know, John's working with this company called Smarter Commerce and Smart Commerce, Smart Commerce, right? Here's, here's the, here's the slide. It's really good. So, so in the time when we're awake, the average person spends, I'm going to get it right, 17 minutes a day shopping. So that's all the time. That's including when you're a store, whatever. The rest of the time, you're passively shopping. You are because you're making decisions. You're, you're, you're making judgments. You're having customer service experiences. You're doing all these things. And, and I think what, what's exciting about that is is brands that are doing a good job of understanding that and connecting with that and making it easy for you to shop when you want to, where you want to, when you want to, are going to win. Pe people who are still trying to do this hammer you over the head with an email are not. I mean, it's, it's, that's, it's that simple. Respect a path to shopper. And, and, and here's the thing. People are going to fight you on this because they're going to do the immediate result. They're going to take two days I got more sales because I pounded people over the head. hundred yeah. percent. They're going to win if it's a short-term contest. But the, the, the more you step out and it doesn't, when I say long-term, I'm not talking, it has to be a year or two. I'm talking, it can be just a week. It can be two weeks. It can be a month, but you've got to start considering the fact that yes, you can pound people over the head for sales. You can retarget people all day long, but you're hurting your brand equity. You're beating them over the head and you're going to push them away in the long run. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see this, you'll see this pattern in retargeting, especially, right? Every retargeting campaign has to be recalibrated in, a, in, in three or yeah. four days time at most, because it's like a vein of gold. 
you, you hit, you're like, oh, I found the perfect customer and the perfect person or whatever. And you set it and you run and you amp your budget. And then all of a sudden it stops producing. And it stops producing because you hit all the people that want that thing in, in, that, in, in that thing. And the, the algorithms of, of the platforms, I think, are kind of designed to stop delivering. <laughs> so you go and reset and, and have to spend more money. So there's a, there's a friction there. Yeah, there's a pain point. Um, I want to talk about your book. Um, I'm just conscious we haven't really spoken about it. And where where did the book come out of Retail Relevancy? So how did it come about, John? How did, and Ted, where did it kind of come from or what, what can people expect from it? I think we just talked about the whole thing. <laughs> okay, I love it. Oh my God, yeah. I hope we didn't give everything away. <laughs> no, Sorry. I... I we, we did it. You know, Ted and I were writing this book. We started in uh, 2017, 2018, you know, wow. and, and, uh, and we were kind of, I was kind of plodding along and Ted was, you know, mm. it was a lot of things that we were talking about yeah. and, and we were just very slow. And then COVID happened yeah. and many of the things that we were talking about started to happen very quickly. Wow. And we're like, we got to finish this book because <laughs> it's it, and 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 a lot of it is 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 not out of date, but is is happening. So it seems out of date, but still, are people taking you know you know taking the steps to to do what they need to do to be relevant in retail? And that, I mean, it's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. It is is your brand relevant in retail? Uh, we we have oh we have uh, Foot Locker in um, in yeah. uh, the EU. Um, Foot Locker uh, stock this this week is is um, is taking a beating, and it's taken a beating because Nike has said, "Yeah, we're not going to really sell many of our products through Foot Locker anymore." And I, I think eventually Nike will not sell its products through Foot Locker, which is, was, you know, a major percentage of Foot Locker sales. It, it's and and I think what the market is saying is is Foot Locker relevant without Nike? Because I think what Nike is saying is we've, you know, Nike just passed the point where it is over 50% direct to consumer now, right? So, so you think about that, half of Nike's sales is you at Nike.com or you in, in one of Nike's, or, or you, I buy Nike's from Instagram, which is, which is weird, but they know exactly what I like. They know my purchase cadence. They know this style that I like and every time they put out a new colorway in it, guess who gets a new Instagram ad, <laughs> you know, and I can buy it within the Instagram ad from Nike. So all they get to keep all the margin and they can plow that into learning more about me and, and you know, whatever. That's kind of, it, it's interesting because there's always this yin and yang of retail power versus uh, brand power, right? And, and I like, like, not a lot of brands can do what Nike does today, mm. maybe, maybe in the future, who knows? But, but I think it's an interesting new way to think about, I just want Nikes, right? Mm. Foot Locker, uh, uh, you know, any, any sports stockist is, is not going to really add value to me for Nike, except maybe to your point, a, a local running store that might be able to diagnose a problem that I have and then recommend a specific shoe. That would be very helpful, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very helpful for that local, uh, that local retailer, that local, you, you know, person who has specific knowledge. Um, it's going to be a challenge, I think, for big retailers, you know, and, and, and that's a lot of what the book is about. How is your brand, how, how is your retail uh, establishment relevant in a consumer's mind where they're not coming in your store anymore. And you started off talking about football is falling because mm-hmm. I can get, you know, I can easily get Nikes without going to a store. Right. And yeah. return them if I don't like them. Mm. And, yeah. and, and that's going to happen with all the products as, you know, companies, they're all, they're also doing that in necessity. They need to get closer to their customer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's really interesting, actually, the whole the whole concept of it is making it easier, I suppose, for a lot of those brands that are and and there is a lot of those brands out there that aren't doing a lot of what you discussed today. There really is there. There's some that are doing it really well, some that are 
doing it so well and some that really they're only really starting to get their teeth into it um in the in the last couple of months and they're really battling with trying to get their head around that I suppose um it, from a technology perspective um but also I suppose a lot of the bricks and mortar retailers they are of that mindset that you know um do we need it you know or, or can we rely on people to come into the store um and and we do I've done a lot of work with different retailers around omnichannel and I, I know you've spoken about it before um Ted and and John um from an omnichannel perspective um can we get the balance right where we're getting consumers into the store we're also getting it from a from an online perspective um what's your take on that I suppose well, I, I've started using the term omnipresent versus omnichannel. I mean, mm. and, because yeah. you really have mm. to think of it as being present, being available, yeah. something they can find versus just having this channel kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to someone last week at a, at a large retailer here in, mm. in, uh, in uh, the States. And they said, yeah, you know, we would rather have people in a store. And then he said, which, which I like, which was because that's what we want, but it isn't what the shopper want. And I'll be honest with you, I almost fell on the floor because I was like, wow, okay. So it's so a little, little self-realization is probably good. You know, it's like the shopper doesn't want to come to our store. It, you know, shoppers are not going to come to our store more than they are coming now. Yeah. But to your point, there are times, and, and Ted has had this experience with Lowe's, and we talk about other things. There are times when I do want to go to the store because I, I want to compare things or I want to experience new things or, or I need to talk to somebody who, who can help me, you know, with that purchase. Um, but, it, you know, you think about, I have a, a good friend who just bought a new home. And so, you know, he's nesting and doing all the things, right? And, and so he he's replacing he's his toilets leak. So he's replacing, you know, the innards of the toilet. Right. And he's like, I had to go to Lowe's three times today, you know, and, and uh, he's like, because I kept getting the wrong part. You know, I'm like, OK. And that day, literally Lowe's announced a, uh, a partnership with Instacart to begin delivering products, you know, and, and I'm like, how per in two hours, I think, how perfect would this have been for my friend? Right. And, and, and made him think about that in a different way because he was very frustrated because he had to go to Lowe's, which Lowe's was happy. He made three trips and he probably bought other stuff. But but that I'm working in my house and I just need to get the right part and I kind of know what it is. You know, maybe he could have asked somebody in the store. So maybe that would have helped. But I think it was more trial and error. So if he could have not interrupted himself and just said, well, this is not the right part. I'm just going to order the part from Instacart. And he's willing to pay for that service. Lowe's, Lowe's could totally charge more for that too, probably, uh, because it's convenience. So, so how are you going to service um, the the customer in the way the shopper in the way they want to shop? I get that you have this huge investment in, in bricks, but um, but maybe I don't want to shop that way. And and, that's oh, and, and or if you want to get people into your store, make make there be a good reason for that to happen. Provide great customer service in the store. Have people there. You know, one of the things about Home Depot and Lowe's that was back in the day was that they had experts working there. They had people that were at carpenters, that were that were landscapers, and or they trained the people very well. And a lot of that went by the wayside when they were looking to cut costs and make things easier. And and now, to me, like I, what I wrote about the other day was just I had an experience that showed how leadership at an individual location can make all the difference. Yeah. Because I haven't found a lot of great customer service at some of the local lows. And then, I, and I hear people telling me that they get great customer service. And I, it like, I wasn't even thinking it's about the individual store. I went to, I needed something they didn't have at my local store. I went to a different one. Oh my God, what a great experience. Everybody's trying to help me. Everybody's saying hello to me. Every, they're saying goodbye to me and thank you for coming when I leave. When I needed something, I didn't have to search for somebody and they were willing to help me find it. And now to me, that makes that in-store experience really valuable because I can't get that at Lowe's online. 
not because they're not good, but because it, it's more difficult to do. It's more difficult yeah. to provide. Even if there's a chat function, it's a little bit harder because they can't necessarily walk me over and hold up something for me and show me how to do it. So <laughs> think about it. It's, again, back to your small retailers, there's a special thing that they can offer that can say, you know, yes, we've got an online presence, but if you come in the store, we can also help you and add value to your, to your trip. Yeah. Love that. Love that. I think that's really, it's really great. I think there was, there was a, a, a local bakery, not in Ireland, in the UK, and they ran um, bakery classes, cookery classes on Saturday, where they would make the cakes, but you could watch them make it. And then if you wanted, you could get involved. And I think it's that sort of, you know, they give you healthy recipes or whatever that might be. I just think it's, it's really, it's like what you said there, it's getting involved, but seeing what those people want. And it goes back to, again, how they want to be communicated to. How, how do they want that service? What, what, what is it they're looking for? Um, so I just think it's, there's been loads of nuggets, guys. I'd love, I wish I, I didn't want to write down while you were talking, but I'm a writer. So I write down yeah. little notes. I'll be writing down little bullets. Like I love hearing people's um, perspectives on things because even though you're across the water you're in the States, we've a very different mindset over here. And um, from, from a retail sure. perspective, we really, really do in a European perspective to what you have. And you're in a totally different place to where we are at the moment. We are very much catching up. We're not where you would be um, from, from a retail perspective, definitely not. And that's not even small retailers. I've been with, with big multinationals, huge ones that have six and 700 stores in Europe, and, and they still wouldn't be where you're at, where you're talking about all of these things. They're still very much um, behind on that whole on that whole part of you know listening to the customers and seeing what they're looking for and um, I think I think there's there is an old mindset still there and that needs to evolve and that hasn't evolved yet um, and I think you're very futuristic in your strategies and where you're going um, and it's really interesting and and it is I think there was a study out there recently it's, it's human it's, it's that human yeah. behavior that human interaction is is like 70% of what people are looking for you know it's, it's that no knowing how to communicate those certain key areas that will really bring people to the next level. So it's been, it's been really interesting. I've, I've loved talking to two of you. Um, oh, absolutely loved it. And I love talking retail. I could literally sit on here for four yeah. hours telling all these stories, but I'm sure people don't want to hear that. And um, yeah. they want to hear you two guys and, and talking about all your amazing words of wisdom. And, and yeah, thank you so much for the nuggets, guys. And I'll definitely be posting on a couple of bits that you shared with me today. And um, they, they, they love it. So thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, thank you for having us. I, I love being here. I love doing things like this with John. Uh, when you're posting, make sure you send us stuff, send us links. We'll share it. Um, you know, again, and reach out anytime. And I hope you two guys are going to follow up about your previous conversation. We will. We will. We will. We will. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks a million Thanks for all your time. Thanks so much. Take care. Of course. Okay. Thanks a million.